<laughs> Lord Chips don't let the salad win. That's the message uh, in terms of uh, nature of the food maybe that uh, we consume in Wales compared to the Italians. But it's the Italians who will restart. This is the Eat More Chips podcast. Grab your bag of chips, salt, vinegar, perhaps a battered sausage or a dirty pie, a bit of sauce cork on the side, and let's go! Hello, and welcome to the Eat More Chips podcast, the official podcast for one of the most recognisable flags in the Welsh football supporters universe. Joining me today in the studio, trying to come up with that second difficult album, are the Lennon and McCartney of Wales and Wrexham-specific football supporters, Jamie and Daz. Welcome both. All right, mate. You all right? Any good footy Good footy week for you both this week? Yeah, I mean, um, the watch the, the playoffs, the, 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 the National League playoffs. Oh, yeah, that was interesting. Stressed out. Um, yeah, two unbelievable games, but uh, yeah. I mean, and some good results for the pool this week, uh, Daz? Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't believe the, the results went all pretty much in our favour as well. So that uh, means that uh, we're hotly on the on the heels of Man U, which is great, great get, results. Get in there, get in there. Well, after our marathon first episode last week, you'll be glad to hear we're limiting this one to four hours only, so you no need to get your sleeping bags, boys. There's the good one. And we've had listeners from across the globe for our first edition, be it US, UK, Netherlands, Ireland, Germany, New Zealand, and even Norway. So... Pingen er are posten to you. That's uh, money's in the post if you can't speak Norwegian. Uh, we had some really nice comments too, including one from Orgon Hollywood on Twitter who said, really, really good pod. Sounds like you've been doing it for years. I really like the national team home club angle. Great long interview. Slick, informative, and all the archive audio is excellent. Look forward to the next. Not sure if he's been listening to the right podcast, to be honest. What, what do you reckon? What do you reckon? I think we know I enough think people so. that we can pay. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm just uh, just trying to find the email address now for my uh, for my auntie in uh, in Nigeria just to thank her for listening. <laughs> The Wrexham AFC women and girls teams have both had a very successful 2022-23 season. There has been a huge amount of buzz around Wrexham women, particularly recently. The under-19s won the Gennaro Adran North under-19s title with 10 wins, 2 draws and a goal difference of plus 62. The senior women also won the Gennaro Adran North title with 12 wins from 12, something no Wrexham AFC, men or women, has ever achieved and with a goal difference of plus 64. Their season culminated in in a 2-1 last win of the season against Koniski Nomads at the Kairas in front of 9,511 fans, a Welsh record for a domestic women's match. They then followed this up with a very, very difficult playoff against Britain Ferry Llansawel at Latham Park in Newtown. Wrexham women coming out with a hard-fought 1-0 victory, Rebecca Pritchard pouncing on a cross from Rosie Hughes to slot the ball in the goal underneath the keeper. Particular mention should have been given to uh, Wrexham's keeper Delith Morgan, who made a number of vital saves to keep Wrexham in that game. So, the Wrexham AFC women are now promoted to the Gennaro Adran Premier League to compete alongside the likes of Cardiff City, Swansea City, Aberystwyth Town and the New Saints, putting them firmly at the top table of Welsh women's football. Jamie, you and I were at the Connors Key match at the, the racecourse and it was an incredible day, wasn't it? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I think it was it was really great for the, you know, for, for the community um, to, to, you know, pro- properly rally behind the, the women's team. Um, you know, well and truly... Uh, you know, listen to the calls that were made by the owners and and, and the, you know the the rest of the club. 
Um, and it was a great atmosphere. It was, it was, it was, it was great. It was a good mix of families and things. It was. I mean, it was brilliant to see all the, not just the young kids, but particularly the amount of girls that were there who were obviously, you know, really, you know, looking at what was going on on the pitch and thinking, yeah, you know, that's where I'd like to be. And that's something that even just a few years ago was was fairly unimaginable, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's. I think the 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 spotlight on the women's. Um, the, the women's element of, of Wrexham, as I think it's been probably the most one of the most refreshing things for me this year because it could have quite easily got overshadowed and lost and you know uh, forgotten about for for want of a better term. But I think you know hats off to like I say in particular Rob and Ryan and then and then other key members of the club. They've they've very much kept the 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 the, um, the, the, the ladies side of the of, of the club at the forefront and, and have promoted it and pushed it as much as, as the men's side. Um and, and then, you know, obviously the, the the girls and ladies on the pitch have, have, have more than played their part. I mean that that um um record from from the the, the the first the first team women's team is just obscene at any level. You know, twelve twelve wins from twelve games and, and you know no no losses and, and a Plus sixty-four goal difference is just crazy. It's mad, isn't it? I mean, I mean, obviously, all the staff have done an amazing amount of work. Um, um, but there, are, but there are obviously a few people that we'd like to do special mentions to. Just before we uh, we go into that, just to give you a bit of a background on uh, the the Wrexham team. So the Wrexham they were originally formed as Wrexham Ladies FC in two thousand and three, and they helped to found the North Wales Women's Football League at that time. And then it, that morphed into the Welsh Premier Women's League in two thousand and nine. Now the Wrexham Ladies FC actually won that division in two. 2012 um, and we're going from strength to strength but unfortunately during the 2015-2016 season they had difficulties maintaining a full squad and had to withdraw from the league mid-season. They were then in the wilderness for the next three years until it was reformed as Wrexham AFC uh, Women in 2018 and, and now obviously we've seen the development and there are a number of people who really should be singled out I mean I think first at the top of that list this does I think is definitely Jed Gemro in the head of women's football I mean she has been an absolute spearhead hasn't she for the Wrexham women's, uh, Wrexham women's team both the senior and under 19s level yeah, I think the record that uh, both teams have shown is it's it's clear evidence that what the, what the formula they've got there is fantastic, and they're going to be a great addition to to the league. Having uh, seen some of the uh, the games play, you know played between you know whether it's Cardiff and Swansea or um, uh, or Aberystwyth, my own my own hometown. Yeah, that'll you know, be a good one. They're, they're gonna they're gonna generate a huge interest across the whole league. So I just think it's fantastic that that what they've established there is a great formula that all the other clubs are going to have to match because I, I do think you're going to probably fit in very comfortably in that league and also you know the number of fans you're going to certainly uh, elevate the numbers I, I do think that the, the following of the game in Wales is going to only benefit from this for sure. Well the Wrexham women gave Aberystwyth a good run in the cup uh, last season and you know to, to be able to take on a team in that top division when you're or, uh, only already in tier two I mean that was pretty impressive I mean again it was I mean it was unfortunate that the 21-22 season I mean they got really close they came runners up to Slandidno and they only lost out on a winner takes all game against Slandidno by losing in that match which meant they come, came second and obviously then they've developed I mean Rob and Ryan have put £50,000 in at the start of the season to help towards the development and, and as you rightly said Jamie there is definitely this feeling that there is equal uh, promotion of not just the Wrexham men's but also the Wrexham women's side and they have that backing I mean it was great to see wasn't it on the, uh, the uh, parade to see both the men and the women on buses celebrating together 
together. I mean, that was a brilliant thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was. I was just going to say that that um, you, you know that was kind of a, a a highlight to that. Exactly what I was saying before was was the parade. The fact that you know you you had Robin Ryan. Uh, made a point of being with with the girls on 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 you know and the ladies on on that bus, um, and you can just you can just tell by the way that the the uh, you know the girls are that they they're absolutely made to feel like their their journey and their role in the club is as important as the men's team, and it's it's, it's great to watch and it's exciting to see where it's going to go. I mean, they, I mean, they finished the season this season on thirty six points. So in the end, they were eight points ahead of Connorsky Nomads in second place. And uh, you know, there are some of the players that you obviously we, I, we'd like to pick out today. I mean, first of all, though, let's talk about Steve Dale. Steve Dale came in as a manager. You know, fairly. Um, you know, he's he's not actually been a manager for 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 very long because he he's fairly new. But he's made a heck of a difference, hasn't he, Daz? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's it's clear at this stage that um, the, the, the ladies game has got a, uh, a lot of potential but the, the managers uh, are, are definitely coming from the men's game at the moment and are beginning to pass on um, you know the, the, you know learning the trade and stuff so I just think that's going to be great as well for the ladies game to develop more female managers to take over so I, I think Steve's done a great job but uh, you know what I would like to see is then more clubs taking on uh, female uh, sort of uh, coaches in those positions because I think that will just then further enhance that the aspiration within within the game. I mean, um, it's interesting that um, obviously you know um, not only Steve Dale but Gaz Owen, who is the under 19s manager. I mean, how important? I mean, the fact that the under 19s also won their division. And don't forget, that's just a development league. That's not supposed to be competitive as such. Although obviously it is. I mean, the fact that Gaz Owen has taken those under 19s and uh, got to the top of their title that has got to be great for them the development onto the senior women's uh, uh, side hasn't it yeah i think i think with uh with all all the teams you know i i think i think you can see that there's a real investment at, at grassroots uh, you know right from the beginning so encouraging the youth to want to be part of the process then developing those skills and really getting those those teams playing well and and to win so you know so significantly like a title like that or at least um uh, holding their own against um, the, the, their rival teams in such a brilliant way, and 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 I just think you know that's that's only going to f- sort of feed into the senior team um, yeah, so smoothly. I, c- I can't see why that can't continue to develop and and, and progress. I mean, when you look, Jamie, at some of the players who are already in the senior side, which we'll go through in a second, you know, and a large number of them have come through the under 19s. So that actually shows, doesn't it, that the under 19s, the, the system that Gemma obviously is leading, and then Steve and Gaz are actually running together as a team that's obviously working isn't it yeah of course so. i mean it, it, the thing is it doesn't matter what uh, you know what club it's at or, or what um you know you know which element of the game it is you, you know for, for any club to be successful one of the key parts of that is, is that you've got um you, you know talent coming through the ranks at your club particularly when you're at you know this this lower level and you, you know you're not just going out and buying players I think to to see to, to see players being developed at a young you know at a young age and coming through the ranks of of that club is 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 a healthy place to be. Like I say, whether it's women women women's or men's, you, I mean I don't see any reason why it would be any different um, for there to be a desire to want to go to Wrexham if you're a, a girl you know or, or, or a boy. I think it will be very interesting to see because I mean without doubt the, the the women's game as a whole is is gathering momentum i mean you've only got to look at the you know 
at the very highest level, you know, the, the women's super league and the sort of attendances that they're that they're getting now is is crazy in, in some instances. So it's really good to see it gathering momentum, but for it to continue to gather that momentum and to keep growing, obviously you need it's gonna need more girls at a young age wanting to get into football. And I think, you know, it maybe that also stems to, to you know, it being part of uh, you know being brought into school curriculums and things as, as, as a more mainstream, you know, when I was younger and in school, girls playing football was just uh, didn't happen. Um, so, so, you know, hopefully things like that will improve as well. But you, you're right, it is a, squ- a small squad and, and, and you know, it, it needs to it needs to be kept being fed to, 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 to get the talent coming through. Having said that, though, Daz, when you look at the current squad list, about 85% of them are Welsh. And that's got to be great, hasn't it, for then the national setup and the under-19s and the senior national side, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Inevitably, that's that's what I'd like to see, you know, imagine that most of the of the Welsh teams would would want to do. It's very hard to... Uh, keep hold of uh, of the quality players you know if, at, at the moment and this is where my quest, my question was going to be for you guys actually because of course the, the Wrexham have announced that they they want to become uh, well initially a semi-pro club and then you know look at investing properly in 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 wages for for the women's game um Unless you do that, then the, the fear is you will lose the talented players over the border to the bigger clubs. Um, is you know how how realistic is is it going to be to be able to hold on to these players? I mean, the the fact that Wrexham are going to look, but from what the from what we're being told, they're they're going to go semi pro. They will be the only women's team in Wales who are semi-pro. So not Cardiff, not Swansea, not these big sides who you would expect to be semi-pro or pro. Those those teams are still not getting paid. So, I mean, there needs to be a development, I think, personally. If you're going to... Because obviously at the moment, a lot of our talent, when you look at the national side, they all play in the WSL because that's where the money is. That's where they need... Because they have to earn a living. So they go out to the WSL to earn their living, which obviously means that the Welsh sides and the Welsh setup doesn't necessarily get the benefit you know, of, of of the out you know homegrown players playing in the Welsh leagues, so yeah, it's it's tricky, but you have to start somewhere, and they you know they're definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, Rob and Ryan obviously want to put the money behind it. I mean, do you agree, Jamie? Uh, yeah, and I I think um, certainly from 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 Wrexham's perspective, um, I think there's there's definitely a. If you're a footballer of, 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 of at any level, you know, professional or semi-professional. It's surely you, it's a place you're going to want to play, and I think male or female, and I think there's a huge draw to Wrexham at the minute. So hopefully, you know, you take take um, you know Rosie Hughes as an example. You know, we talked about her at great length, and and, and Jesus, what a player she is. Um, and oh. and we, you were telling me that that there was some interest in her from from other clubs, and it was quite important that Wrexham, you know, got promoted um, to to be able to try and keep hold of her. Well, she's spoken to the she's spoken to the media, and she said, you know, I've had offers from other clubs, but I want to stay with Wrexham because that's yeah. where you know I want to be. And I mean, when you look at her stats, Daz, I mean, she's scored over eighty goals just for Wrexham alone since joining in twenty twenty one, and she's regularly scored when she was playing for Denby and Flandidno before that. In fact, it's it's um, said that she actually holds the goal scoring record for Flandidno as well. I mean, that's top golden boots, isn't it? 
yeah, yeah. And I think Wrexham's going to need a player like that to be able to uh, make that next leap up to the next division because uh, I I don't know enough of the other teams that were Wrexham were playing on a consistently you know consistent level. But but having seen some of the the, the teams in you know whether it's Cardiff or Swansea you know or Cardiff Met you know there's there's some good sides there mm. and I do I do think you're going to need that you know that scoring. Uh, ability um to be able to continue your progression you know stepping up and and matching these other teams i mean when you look at some of the players they have though they have got some cracking players i mean if you take for example delith morgan in goal i mean delith morgan in goal she's come through liverpool's academy and is still involved with liverpool's academy even now while still playing for wrexham i mean that's you know she holds a uefa uh, a goalkeeper's coaching license so she knows that she knows her stuff you know she's a good player but also you know good in good as a as a coach as well and I think that's great that, that you know you've got that spirit at the club that's making players feel that way that they don't want to move on you know that they feel that they're valued and that they feel that there's there's a, a potential uh, and, and a progression that they want to be part of and you know that's that's great you know it's all very well saying you know attainment and, and people want to you know, move on and achieve you know a higher level but actually you know there, there has to be a reason to stay and, and it feels like the club's got that bit right. I mean, there has been some strength throughout throughout the season. When you look at the defence, you know you've got Erin Lovett, who is a you know supported Wrexham all her life. Ella Clifton Stringer, who signed in 2021, who's also been through the under 19s. Rebecca Pritchard, who scored the goal in the playoff final, she signed in 2021. She's former Everton and Aston Villa youth player. You know Kim Dutton, the captain. I mean, she was part of the title winning team for the under 16s in 2018. Regular first team player T.J. Dickens, who obviously scored that amazing first free kick against Connors Key. Lily Jones in midfield now Lily Jones plays regularly under 19s and the seniors so she's been successful in both those sides and Belightfoot as well of course you're talking about and of course then you've got Rosie Hughes at the front so there seems to be a really good core of players that hopefully we can build on yeah definitely I think it need, like the key to what you just said there is, is to build on that you know we you say there's a there's a core there's a backbone there's some real standout players in that squad but like you said, it is a small squad, and and you know for it to continue to grow and for it to continue to to be successful, you know, like we've seen in the men's uh, side, you know, you need a good squad, you need depth. Um, but yeah, we've definitely got a good backbone there to be work to be building on. I mean, the good thing is that Gemma, Steve, and Gaz, obviously, they've got a plan with regards to under nineteen development and then senior development. I mean, I'm sure they'll be looking out and seeing where they need to strengthen. I mean, the great thing as well is that next season, although although playing here for us was great and playing on the you know on, on that side is great, they've signed a deal now to play at the Rock in Rosamedra, which is about six seven miles outside Wrexham. That's a floodlit two and a half thousand capacity uh, stadium, which is great. Five hundred and twelve seats. So we've got a stand. Um, you know, it's got it's in a great place. So it's a 3G pitch, which is unfortunate, but that means there'll be no weather. And like you say, that there will be some really tough, tough opposition. Uh, what they does from the teams that are in that uh, in that senior division. Yeah, but I think I think playing on the on the pitches is uh, actually you know that's actually going to benefit the team because so many of the other clubs also play on 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 that artificial surface. Um, you know, Aberystwyth is an example of that. Um, uh, TNS, uh, Cardiff Met, they do have artificial pitches, so actually it's probably going to benefit them to have more regular uh, games uh, in on that surface uh, for them to be able to compete in all the games. And the only fly I think in the ointment, Jamie going up to the to the top division is going to be the travel they've not been used to really traveling outside the kind of north wales area now they're going to have to do a lot more traveling down to south wales aren't they yeah but 
that's part of the experience, isn't it? I think if you ask anyone uh, who, who's played football at any level, and I'm, you know, I'll have to ask you, Daz, because I know Simon, you've not kicked the ball in your life. <laughs> um, if, if, if you ask anyone at any level, you know, Sunday league, youth teams, it's part of the experience. The whole going away and travelling is part of the experience of, of enjoying playing football. Well, certainly, in, in my opinion. So I, I think they'll buzz off it. To, to, to be honest with you. Um, but apart from anything else, playing the home games at a stadium called The Rock. How cool is that? That's, that's really cool. Well, if you've ever been to The Rock, it is mental because it has a cliff face on one side because it's an old disused quarry. So literally, on one side of the ground, there's an entire cliff face. I mean, if that's if that's not scary, for you know, you're you rocking up in your bus and you go, well, we're playing in a quarry. I mean, I don't know what is. Yeah, oh, I just think it's a cool name. <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> Now on the Eat More Chips pod, it's time for today's newspaper, tomorrow's chip paper, where we look at the news this week around Wales and Wrexham AFC football. First up, in an interview with the evening leader, manager Phil Parkinson has said there will be comings and goings as Wrexham prepare for life at the higher level, but Phil feels he already has a very good squad at his disposal. The manager and his backroom staff have been in Portugal this week for their getaway, and on his return, one of Parkinson's first tasks will be to announce his retained list, with eight players including goalkeepers Ben Foster and Mark Howard, wing-back Rhys Hall-Johnson and midfielder Liam McAlinden out of contract this summer. Parkinson has already held talks with Sean Harvey and will make an announcement over who will be offered new deals in due course. Jamie, are you expecting any surprises when this retained list is out? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, it, it, it is tough, but it, it's football, isn't it? Um, I I think the players that you mentioned there that are out of contract, I'll be honest, I, I can't see any of them staying. Um, obviously, the big the big questionable area is the goal goalkeeping, isn't it? Um, I think it's all sort of going to hinge on what, what Ben Foster's going to do. Um, but the rest of the players that you mentioned there, I just, I, I, I can't see um, the, the, the you know, maybe value's a bit disrespectful, but I can't see the value in, in keeping them. You know, you, you, you the other squad players that we've got, and we need to be looking to make a couple of quality additions. Uh, I, I just think it's time for those guys to, to probably move on. I mean, obviously, we'll review the list uh, once it's out. But um, I mean, Daz, you know, kind of anything from you? I mean, we we need to start I, building, don't we? Really, for now, we're in the leagues. Yeah, you, you. I think you will add. I think there's inevitable, but I can only imagine how long this list is going to become of all the names that are going to be you know the out there it is a new story every day about you, who he's going to pick who he's going to find do, who do he's going what? to buy do you know what that is such a such a, a valid point right and i was going to say something along the same lines you know like you've seen in the in the papers and on social media for years now even like just say you know man united for example you know they've not been at the top of the game for how long but every day, every month, every transfer window, it's speculation such as such a signing for Man United because Man, you know, they are still this huge entity, aren't they? And and I'm not comparing Wrexham to Man United for a second, but that's now what is happening already with Wrexham. Every single player that's out of contract or coming to the end of a contract or is being linked to Wrexham. I mean, there's about five strikers being linked to Wrexham at the minute, which is just. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's all about inflating prices, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. that, that, that's that's where you're going to get caught out now. Yeah. Is that there's genuinely nobody you can now. 
pick or find at the price that they were probably worth. Um, and any agent or anybody worth their salt is going to mention it. Get, you know, it, it's a buyer's market. It, it, I think I think you just there's going to be a huge huge amount of interest on in who you buy or who the team is going to let go and you know and so there's going to be that sort of um media interest but but the, there's also going to be behind the scenes quiet deals naturally because they're going to want to try and um you know try and sort of keep control of 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 the narrative on some of this just because it will get out of hand because they will be exactly like a manu or a premiership side where uh, now that they think they've got all the money in the world which as much as they've got money it's not all the money in the world the owners have clearly said they've they've got a, a budget that they're working within um so it'll be interesting to see who does make it through the thing is let's look forget parky is a, is a shrewd manager he'll know he'll have his list it's all good it's no good just players throwing themselves or agents throwing players at him you know he he's in my opinion and please tell me if i'm wrong parky hasn't made a bad call yet on recruitment has he all the people he's brought in has absolutely done the job yeah there's no there's there's no standout bad ones. I mean, you know, there's, there's some that haven't quite worked out as maybe they were they were going to, but they've all added something to the squad, and he certainly had more more wins than than, than not. Um, and I, I think you know we've got a kind of trust in 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 whatever whomever is involved in the recruitment, uh, you know, from from through, throughout the process at the club, um, we've got to trust their process because they so far proved that they've. They know, you know, they, they they know what they're doing, and they're bringing in the right kind of players. Um, I, like I say, I just think it's something we're going to have to get used to. But now, like like Daz said, um, you know, we we are going to get linked with with anybody and everybody. Uh, I mean, you'd be telling me next that buddy, um, you know, Rocking Robin's coming out of retirement, and coming back. <laughs> this week, the Football Association of Wales chief executive—I'll say that again. I'll start that again. You better have. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> this week, the Football Association of... That was going to stay in, by the way, you know that, don't you? This week, the Football Association of Wales Chief Executive Noel Mooney released a tweet saying, We are focused on addressing the lack of decent grassroots football facilities across Wales. In 2023-2024, we will distribute a record £10 million to clubs and communities across our country to raise the standards. Daz, that is a significant amount of money. Is it enough to make a difference? Oh, uh, yes. I think it's a it's a huge step forward because I don't think we've seen that kind of investment. I, I, we, we've seen investment over the years. Don't get me wrong. They under Noel Mooney particularly, but there has been a wholesale change in recent years to support the grassroots. You know, you only have to look at the improvements of pitches and stuff, which means games get played. There's no you know there's no uh, cancellations due to bad weather. Uh, it means that y- youngsters as well as first teams get to play on a, on a good quality you know surface rather than you know literally some you know soil and some seeds thrown on top of it. What no jumpers? for goalposts exactly exactly you know this is this is where we've come and you know but you could get a lot of jumpers for 10 million um but i think that 10 million is going to be a huge step forward because let's let's be honest what the grassroots we're talking about it's a small it's a small it's not the biggest of of oceans it's a small pond that we're dealing with so i think 10 million spread evenly across this small pond actually will go a long way and they're going to be targeted they're going to be very very particular in what how this is spent and that's what they've been doing for for a handful of years now and i think already we've seen that improvement at at at, uh the welsh national league's level and i just think that continued support like this it can only it just it simply will just get better 
and the fact, uh, Jamie, that that the 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 men in particular, and hopefully soon the women, are now qualifying for the big world events like the Euros and the World Cup. There's money now coming in from that, and surely that's that's the result. This ten million is a result of that level of success, isn't it? Yeah, you would you you would think so. You know, success at a higher you know higher level you know will will filter down through through you know through through the channels. Um, I, like you know, ten, ten million quid is a hell of a lot of money, isn't it? But I suppose it depends how far they're trying to you know they're trying to stretch it. But I think that's it the nail on the head. I think at the level that they're talking about investing it, and it should make a significant difference. Um, you know, you just got to trust that the people in charge of distributing it are you know make the best possible calls they can so that it you, you know you get the, the best result from from the investment um you, you know you'd hope it's going to make a big difference the EFL released some important dates for the 2023-24 season. The first one that goes in the diary, of course, is the 22nd of June at 9am uh, GMT, where all the league fixtures will be released. And we'll review those fixture lists in a pod episode close to that time. Other dates to notice, the season starts from the 4th of August. The Carabao Cup, or as it used to be the League Cup first round, is from the week commencing the 7th of August. The Papa John's Trophy, or EFL Trophy as it used to be, uh, the round one of that is the week commencing the 4th of September, which will be split into regional groups of four teams. So that'll be starting as a round robin before you start getting into knockout football. And then obviously the final one will be the League 2 playoff final on Sunday the 19th of May 2024, although we won't need that one because we'll be winners. Wink, wink. Anyway, Daz, the main thing to notice is that there are more games than in the National League. I mean, that's 46 league games, a minimum of three in the Papa John's, minimum of one in the EFL and one in the FA. So you're already talking about 52, 53 games if you don't start going further into the Cups. I mean, how do you think that will impact Phil Parkinson's strategy on squad load and rotation? Yeah, I think I think it's two things, isn't it? You hit it there where, where you've got the size of the, the squad is one thing and then how you use it. And I, I do appreciate that um, there are some players who have probably uh you know have they served their time and will be able to step up i don't know but i think he's going to need to call upon all of those players so this is going back to a previous point about who's coming and going i just think you build that squad but he will need to use it and rotate it properly because all all the divisions now um all of these extra uh, extra trophies you know it will take its toll the Vanarama has released its end-of-season awards and the team of the season voted on by the 24 league clubs has been released. Now, three Wrexham players have made the final 11. That final 11 are goalkeeper Nathan Ashmore for Boreham Wood, the defence would be right-back Jeff King for Chesterfield, left-back Adam Chickson for Notts County, centre-backs Ben Tozer for Wrexham, of course, and Kyle Cameron for Notts County. In the midfields, you've got Elliot Lee for Wrexham, Matty Palmer for Notts County, and Ruben Rodriguez for Notts County. And then up front, because they're playing a 4-3-3 for some reason, would be Macaulay Langstaff for Notts County, who also won Player of the Season, Paul Mullin, of course, and then Ryan Cogclough. Jamie, do you think that is the team of the season? Uh, no. Um, I don't wholeheartedly agree with it. Um, it was always going to be predominantly Notts County and Wrexham uh, players, and the thing is, I think as 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 much as we try and be impartial and fair, and I think you know, we are generally, you know, we are still Wrexham fans, so it's it's hard to do stuff like this without being a little bit biased. But I I agree with the three Wrexham players that are that are that are in it. 
Uh, I'm just not so sure on a couple of the picks. Um, you know, a couple of certainly like Cameron for me is is a dodgy one. I'm not sure about Palmer being in there either. But you know, look, it, it is what it is. I don't care because we won the league. So I mean, it, I don't know about you, Daz. When I looked at that, I thought so. So we win the league with a record number of points for any team in any of the top five divisions. In fact, beyond that, with record points of 111. And yet, there are only three players when Notts County have five. It just doesn't. I don't know. It just. I, I, as Jamie said, I'm a Wrexham fan. Of course, I'm a Wrexham fan. I might be biased. Probably am. But that just doesn't seem to sit quite right with me. What do you think? Well, I mean, I suppose that recognition is is given in in the way that they've given Phil Parkinson the Manager of the Season award. So I, you know, so naturally, there's that recognition is there. Um, Ashmore and goal. You know, he had what was it? Uh, 15 clean sheets or something you know it, there's a couple of players in there that you think on merit no matter what whose team you know which team they were in that, that those individual um, uh, accolades uh, as you know they, they've earned those that's you know on merit I, I agree I, I was surprised there was only three but of course of the three they are definitely the three players you would have in any team uh, they've been incredible and there's probably a couple of others like Langstaff who you know probably you know that's that's without dispute as well. It's just I think I'm with Jamie. I think some of that midfield, um, whether or not this, did you say this was voted for by players and managers? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's voted for by players and managers from the twenty four clubs. Yeah, so I mean, obviously they, they they know what they're looking at. They appreciate their contribution. Maybe there, there's a, a story and a history behind some of it as well that I, I'm not familiar with, but it, it's a little bit surprising. I say there's a couple in there that are on merit, but you, you can't argue with. But but um, yeah, it does feel a bit odd that it's only three. I mean, the main one that's missing for me is Hayden. You know, Hayden should definitely be in that back four. Not I wouldn't put Cameron in there to be do, do you think I, I, I agree with you about I mean certainly Hayden's credentials and how important he is to our our, our side do you think uh, do, you, do you think you could still make that claim given that he missed such a big part of the season yeah but look how or, many or, look, or, look or, how many goals he scored though and he was still yeah. out for a large part of the season I mean that shows how valuable a player he is yeah no, I, hey, look I, I, I agree with, like I said at the start I, I think for me I, I don't think Cameron would have a place in there, whether it would be Hayden or for me O'Connell, because I think ultimately O'Connell came in pretty much as Hayden got injured and was pretty damn good, to be fair. Um, so I, for me, it would be Hayden or O'Connell over Cameron in that team. Um, but I think I think possibly why they've ended up picking Cameron is possibly because he's been consistently there all season. Um, I, I, I like I said, I, I don't know, but it is what it is. I mean, it's interesting you said, Daz, about Phil Parkinson getting manager of the season, and obviously congratulations to him. Uh, but, I mean, is is that deserved? I mean, some would say that Luke Williams, Notts County, or Darren Sarrell at Woking, or Mark White even at Dorking Wanderers, they deserve the award for achieving what they did on a much smaller budget or a much smaller scale. I mean, do you think even just because he's the the winner, you know, his team is the winner of the league, he deserves to be manager of the season? Um, well, it, it, it never, usually it goes to the winners, doesn't it? It's quite consistent league league title, you know, awards like that. I think uh, we shouldn't overlook Notts County's uh, situation was they were funded. They had a fair amount of money in their effort, and I do think that that, that their achievements probably reflect their investment. 
in the same way as Wrexham has. Um, but yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't deny the fact that both teams have achieved you know an incredible and uh, you know end of season result by the, you know scoring record points uh, tallies in the end. And so yes, equally, I think both of them have achieved you know. But I think the difference for Phil Parkinson was the expectation and the pressure and the media circus that comes with it. He had to do it all with that on top and i don't know how he did it 100 percent. You, you the noticeable mentions for the what you know for the the guys you mentioned forum woods manager solly hall uh, sorry not solly hall uh, south end's manager obviously luke williams but you you can't not give it to a man who's managed a team over a 46 game league season and has finished as champions and with 111 points you, you can't not give it to him end of Following on from last week, we're delighted to welcome back arguably the voice of Welsh football, Ian Gwynne Hughes. Ian, in regards to Welsh football, with your position within the FAW and as a fan, what are your feelings on the general health of football in Wales at the moment? Um, I think it's in a very good state. I think the profile is very high. You know, again, I come from a period where there's no doubt that rugby had a higher profile in terms of its internationals and the Six Nations still still gets that and of course um, it meant so much in in, in, in Wales especially and, and with within the Welsh broadcasting and, and the Welsh establishment generally you know but I, I've always believed you know I was brought up in an area of Cowan Bay and I, it's different now but you could get up on a Saturday morning if you weren't playing yourself and say you know what I'll go to Anfield I'll go to Goodison Park I'll go to Old Trafford I'll go to Wrexham um, I even went to Chester a few times because my grandparents lived there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you take the pick of the game. Um, so you could just get on a train in Cowan Bay, go to Chester, cross the Rock Ferry um, in Liverpool, the underground. And, and you, you, it was like, as long as you were there by one, half one, standing outside, whether it was the Cop, the Gladys Street, Stratford End. And it was to watch the opposition sometimes, you know, all great games that were coming up. Uh, likewise at... at um, <coughs> at uh, Wrexham but the, the generally Welsh club football was seen wasn't it as Cardiff, Swansea, Wrexham, Newport and they were yo-yoing maybe between the lower leagues maybe every now and again get to what was then the second division but I always felt <clears throat> in the potential of it the potential of it that if one of the clubs made it to the first division as it was then or the Premier League or what have you and if the Welsh national team was successful it would take off now since then uh, since that period there's been the addition of the, the League of Wales and the domestic game and, and what have you so the, there's the, the bigger picture I think in terms of international football the profile is is, 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 um, is, is fantastic in terms of you know it's getting 32,000 for the game against Latvia three qualifications out of the last four tournaments is quite incredible so from that perspective you see it filtering down now with the under-17s going to the European Championships which is brilliant there's a structure in place the women's game has developed fantastically under Gemma Granger. You know, but, um, stepping blocks put in place by Yarmo Matikainen and Jane Ludlow, and then Gemma's taking it on another level in terms of not just the performances, but when you think off the field, going from 1,500 now to 15,000, 6,500 for a friendly against Northern Ireland. Um, I think the difference in the past to the past is, in the past, Wales have maybe come close to qualifying got rid of a manager, not thought what's happening next, there's no real strategy in terms of bringing players through, that's all changed, that's in place now, so there is this 
I'm not saying you're going to develop a Gareth Bale every 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 generation, but develop good quality players who can have the mentality of knowing what it's about to qualify for major tournaments. So I think on international level, there's you know you're always looking to improve, obviously, but there's a good platform there, there's a good base, and there's good people and a good strategy in place. Um, in terms, if you're talking the domestic game, I think that's where you know again I see potential, but you know in terms of the Cymru Premier. If you think about it, and think about any other country in the world, if you had, you know, Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen Hearts, not in the Scottish League, playing elsewhere, look at the um, uproar when there was talk of the Super League in England, mm-hmm. take Real Madrid, Barcelona, etc., out of the Spanish League, likewise any country. So here you've got Cardiff, Swansea, Wrexham, Newport, you've even got Merthyr, you've got the likes of the two who I would say would enhance the league in terms of their... Um, fan base and what have you in history and tradition Real and Bangor City not in it it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge it's a bit of a challenge here mm-hmm. in, in, in Wales domestically um, uh, I know um, there is a new strategy being put in place and will be announced soon um, but uh, I still think there's a lot of uh, uh, challenges ahead domestically to improve it obviously we have a chief executive Noel Mooney now who's priority prioritising grassroots facilities and what have you, investment there. So hopefully, you know, that's not going to happen overnight, but long term there will be an improvement in um, in, uh, in 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 facilities generally in, in Wales. So I think we're in a, in a good place with good people, um, but obviously things take time and take, take investment as well. And that's why it's important that we keep on qualifying, this cycle of qualifying, because the more money you get from qualifying the more that's being invested into the rest of Welsh football. Now you've mentioned the men's team there and the Wales men's senior team have had a great start in this Euro campaign following on from their successes over the last 10 years of reaching the Euros and the World Cup finals. In your opinion how does this upward trajectory be maintained? I, th- I think it's in terms of investing in the in, in, in facilities, investing in um, the player pathway which and obviously getting good coaches um, and we've got good uh, people out there identifying players who were maybe eligible for for um, for Wales both the men and the, and, 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 and the women I think the mentality's changed as well I've noticed that I'm in a privileged position that I'm on camp looking after the media and what have you and in terms of since 2016 I knew I had a blip in 2018 when I actually think we should have qualified for the World Cup then. But if you think about it, I came again, I keep on going back a generation who was used to failure. Mm. Um, although we qualified in 76, but f- uh, f- uh, for the uh, European Nations Cup as it was then, but for whatever reason, um, Welsh football <laughs> has not erased it from history, but doesn't make as much of it no. um, as it as it should. I mean, I can remember being there for the Austria game, 30, 35,000. It was the only time Wales have topped a qualifying group. Mm. Um, and yet we, d- we don't celebrate that as we, 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 we should. Go back to 58, uh, we should ac- actually only go back as far as 76 prior to 2016. Mm. But in terms of, I think since 2016, and I noticed that in qualification last time for the European Championships when Ryan was in charge, we had to win in Azerbaijan and beat Hungary at home. And the mentality was not the failure of the past, but the success of 2016. Players felt that they were knew mentally they were going to qualify. Likewise, in the journey for the World Cup, um, the last couple of qualifying games, Belarus and Belgium, 
plus then the Austria and Ukraine game. The mentality was of qualification. I don't think failure entered anybody's mind. So the menta- the mentals, uh, the mindset changed. I think amongst certainly amongst the players, and I think now amongst the the supporters as well. Well, Ian, as you've previously mentioned, the men's side has rightly received many plaudits, but the women's senior side under Gemma Granger has also moved ahead in leaps and bounds over the last few years. They've just been drawn within the Nations League in a very tough group, I think, with Iceland, Denmark and Germany, which I think that'll be a real test for them. What do you attribute this level of growth to? I think there's a lot of factors. When I first came here, um, Yamo Matikainen had just been appointed uh, coach and he t- changed a few things and we tried to um, obviously in, 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 in the way um, the players trained um, and maybe preparation for matches we started to host some press conferences didn't get many much of a response at the time um, but then I think it uh, um, under uh, Jane Ludlow things started to change in terms of where the players prepared for matches um, in terms of exactly the same as the, the men's team um, so having that sort of effect of the pride in representing Wales um, uh, and then of course now starting to play at Cardiff City Stadium the biggest stadiums as well um, so I think that adds a lot in terms of the feeling of being proud to represent your your country investment is a big thing as well now in terms of investing in facilities investing in the structure investing in the backroom staff investing in the staff that work at the FAW on the women's games specifically so that it's not you know maybe in the past uh, it was an afterthought oh right well, we've done the men's team right oh, what are we doing with the women now you know there's no stone left and turned in terms of the preparation is exactly the same it's not exactly it's, it's, it's different there are different ideas for different sets of circumstances but you know in terms of um, investment and prioritizing it they're both on a on an equal footing and then Gemma's come in and is so thorough in everything not just what happens on the field but what happens off the field um, uh, you know has a, an input into everything once everything done professionally in the right way um, and that's reflected in the response she's got from the players and when you think about it now the way the team play it's exciting scoring goals they've just been invited to the USA haven't they to play in their sort of farewell game before the yeah. the big tournament now you know you don't get that sort of invitation if if you're not recognised for what you're doing and um, that you can offer a challenge so that's a big feather in, in, in their cap that they're getting that recognition so I think it's just uh, onwards and, and upwards but it shows what can be done this is still a small dedicated team who work on it um, and the, the big challenge there as it is with the men is the domestic game bringing you know the domestic game has now got profile in terms of Wrexham's promotion I know it's um, you know on, with, with what's happened with the men's team there the women's team will get support off the field there as well so that's great for the profile. You've got Cardiff and Swansea both in 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 uh, and Wrexham all playing against each other next season, which is only great for the um, for for the profile. I think broadcasting as well. You know, I can remember a time when you'd go you'd go and watch the women's team play, but there'd be no coverage of it, apart maybe a single camera. But the live game was England being shown in Wales, so every youngster, every young girl watching football would see the England team now. 
it's on the BBC so it's getting the attention it's getting the profile so these players are becoming known now they in the past it might have been just about Jess Fishlock or Sophie Ingle now they know about the rest of the players and they want to be them and that inspires because they see it and they see the team winning and they see them playing as well at the Cardiff City Stadium and they see them playing in front of big crowds so it's inspiring the future I think I mean, from a personal level, I was at the Kairas uh, for the uh, game against Connors Key, and it was absolutely brilliant to see uh, all the families were there, you know, all the children who were there, particularly young girls who were, you know, looking at the Wrexham women's team and thinking, well, I want to do that. I want to be able to play at that level. And something that, that probably five years ago wouldn't have even crossed their minds. I mean, surely this has got to be good for not just the domestic women's game in Wales, but also for for the women's national side yeah I mean that's 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 the hope isn't it that it, it does you know um, more and more want to play football now don't they you know um, and the, the, the thing is it's not going to happen overnight you can't just put a plan no, in place and no, say no. right in two years time um, <coughs> we'll have X amount of players we'll have X amount of quality players you don't know it might take 10 years what can really push it forward um, is that one qualification yep Absolutely. One qualification for the finals tournament, whether it's the Euros or the World Cup, and you know that changes it completely, doesn't it? You know, totally. so that has to be the aim. That's what inspires. Look, we're still, in many ways. I, I remember when we we qualified for the men's in 2016. We played Moldova the first game in the following campaign, and on the Monday night, Chris Coleman said, "After eight o'clock tonight, don't want any more talk of um, <coughs> 2016. We've got to concentrate on the World Cup." And here we are now, 2023. Mm. And let's be honest, we still talk about 2016, absolutely. don't we? Because it was one of the best summers anybody's yeah, ever that, had. That, absolutely. Still talk about it. Absolutely. Um, and that first qualification for the women hopefully will have the, the same effect. Now, as you mentioned last week, uh, you are uh, a lad from Colwyn Bay, and I'm sure it's not slipped your attention, the rising Wrexham star at the moment. What are your thoughts on the current developments down at the Kairas? I think it's exciting. I think it's fantastic for the... Uh, I think it's more than the football there. It's the community and the town, isn't it? Or the city now, sorry. What it's done for the uh, for the, for the city. I'm more... You know, I, 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 um, I'm detached from it now, if I'm honest, because after leaving the BBC, I sort of... And came here, I focused more on Saturdays or midweek on watching domestic football or... Um, going to Cardiff City so I, I, I haven't been to the race course that often over the last few years um, and if I wanted to go now I couldn't get a ticket anyway <laughs> but I think it was happened is, is fantastic for the for the city um, I've got a lot of relatives from my, my side of the family my wife's side of the family have been going for years thick and thin they're still going and what it means for them is unbelievable that their football club which has gone through you know, people have risked so much, haven't they, you know, mm. in terms of putting their own money on the line to make sure that the club would, would just just exist. So for them, I think this is, this is, um, this is, this is huge. And, uh, you know, as, as in any new investment, because it's happened in the past, people come from, whether it's America, whatever country, you're not quite sure, are they serious about this? But, you know, lo- looking from the outside, I mean, the, the two from Hollywood have, you know, they, they're, they seem to be genuine, don't they, in everything mm. that they've they've done um, so far in terms of uh, involvement in the club, involvement in the community. They're there at the matches. 
you know, we're not talking about coming over to watch a Premier League game. We're coming over to watch fifth tier of English mm-hmm. league. They've been there, supporting through throughout the scenes the other day. Um, unbelievable. So for the profile of the, the the city, everything is is fantastic. You just hope moving forward, you know, it doesn't have. It's a thin dividing line between having this profile and it becoming a circus. I Absolutely. So you're just hoping that that line is drawn, that it's not, you know, they go up to League Two. Right, let's get, you know, people like Hal Robson can who said he'd want to yeah, play, and then there's the link I mean, with Gareth Bale, and you're thinking, yeah, come on, yeah, that's no, not going to no, get you out of League no, Two. Let's no, be honest about no, it. No. You know, so, because next year, other teams have gone up from non-league football and maybe haven't got the star factor that Wrexham have got. So next year, everybody is going to want to beat Wrexham, aren't they? Absolutely. You know, every team in League Two will see that as their scalp, whether it's the players or the. So it's more about the, as well as the football ability, it's about the mental ability and character next season. I think because they will start obviously as one of the favourites, and and, and 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 rightly so. But um, so far, so 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 good. I mean, many have compared this uh, season-winning side uh, to the. Season-winning side 45 years ago, the 1977-78 team. Uh, And there are many comparisons, although, you know, they were in totally different divisions and you had some very, very unique and individual characters within the team in 1977-78, the likes of, you know, Mickey Thomas and Joey Jones and Mel Sutton and and teams like... um, And Alvin Griffiths, of course, managing them. I mean, it culminated, of course, with that fantastic 7-1 win uh, against Rotherham. You know, I remember that day, um, uh, the the Rotherham game, and I remember that season. And I used to think, God, if if Rexham went 3-0 up by half-time, there was something wrong because it was such a good team. Mm. And I remember after the Rotherham game, um, and uh, uh, my father was a head, deputy headmaster on the pitch and, and being asked to leave by a policeman and I joking with him, you know, oh, that's the wrong headline you want, isn't it? Deputy headmaster arrested at the Wrexham game or what have you. But I went down the following week to Hereford, where it was a one-all draw, Mickey Thomas. I think Hereford were already going down. Yes. And Mickey scored the equaliser. And I was driving past the other night because I went up to the Welsh Cup final, driving back past Hereford, thinking, wow. There were 10, over 10,000 of us here that day, you know, in terms of fans generally, you know, thousands of Wrexham fans. I was trying to work out where we'd walked from and think, how the hell did they get 10,000 in here and this and the other? But, it, and it, of course, it's so close to that period. And I, I always remember the, it never seemed to kick off in the, in the what was Division 2 then. There were fleet glimpses of what could be done, but it just caught up with them in the end didn't it you know and yeah. then when we talk about financial problems it well within 3 or 4 years it hit hard and let's not forget the development of the racecourse ground, the Kairas, with the new cop being built, increasing the capacity by up to another 5,500 uh, seats. I mean, that's got to be uh, a benefit for holding Welsh international matches, surely, because obviously it is the oldest international football ground in the world. It has. I mean, uh, from my perspective, um, 70s, um, most matches were played at Wrexham. You know, and the eighties. So I could go from Colin Bay, you know, Pies coaches in Colin Bay to take buses <laughs> over to the race course. And a lot of us that's where your love for obviously it was always going to support Wales, but that's you actually saw them in the flesh. And I can remember seventy seven European champions at the time, Czechoslovakia. Wales tore them apart three 0 mm. Leighton James, one of the best individual performances I've ever seen by any mm. footballer. Mm. Um 
you know, the likes of Germany, England, beating England there 4-1. Oh, yes. Absolutely incredible. Spain, yes. Spain. I was commentating at the Spain. time. I was Mark there that night on Spain. From, so some fa- the Austria game, 75, when uh, qualified for the for the Euro Nations game against Yugoslavia then uh, in the finals in 76. So some f- even going back to 73, 72, when they were playing Northern Ireland, in the, my first game was 69. Wales against Scotland at the race course, mm-hmm. 5-3 to Scotland. Um Brilliant game in terms of goals. Wales had a forward line. I think of John Toshak, Ron Davis, and Wynn Davis, and the ball spent most of the time up in the air. You know? <laughs> but it, it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. So so many memories of that time, and a generation has lost that because hmm. not everybody could get down to Cardiff midweek, especially now as we play we could play any night of the week, and it's just not practical to keep coming up and down. So it's important that matches get back to 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 um, to, to Wrexham because I was fortunate enough. When I was growing up, that you know, it was just down the road and North Wales coast to, to watch uh, watch your country play. So, to our final topic of discussion for this week, the Wrexham AFC men's team. Following the takeover two and a half years ago by Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, Wrexham AFC have gone stratospheric. National League champions with a record 111 points, 34 wins, 9 draws and only 3 losses. 116 goals scored in the season, FA Cup giant killing in knocking out Coventry City in round 4, all-time records shattered, bumper crowds, ticket shortages, celebrity fans, social media blitz, everybody hates us, it's gone from the unbelievable to the incredible. Before we do our full season winning uh, review, here's some stats for all you nerds out there. So are you ready? I'm going to rattle these off very, very fast. Wrexham stats. We scored an average of 2.41 points per game, 2.52 goals scored per game, but only 0.93 goals conceded. So that's less than one goal per game conceded. We had a 96% win average at home and a 52% win average away. We are the second strongest offence in the league behind Notts County and the third strongest defence behind Borehamwood and Notts County. As I said, we finished on 11, 111 points, four points ahead of Notts County in second and 27 points ahead of Chesterfield in third. We used 26 players this season and our average age of the squad, does Jamie, do you want to make a guess? 26. Jamie? That's what I was going to say. 27. 29 is the average age of the of the squad this season. I we had you were clear yeah, you were in definitely yeah. We had 46 yellow cards and one red card. That is best in the league by a country mile. Altrincham was the next best with 60 yellows and two reds. So we absolutely are the top of the fair play league. We also hold the record for the most penalty kicks con- uh, converted by Paul Mullin. The most player subbed Sam Dolby. How many times the pair of you do you think Sam Dolby was subbed this season? 18. Daz? 21. 32. Sam Dolby was subbed 32 times this season. A staggering amount for us. For the difference that he made, that's incredible. Ben Tozer played 4,140 minutes of football this season. That means he played in every single game for every single minute. Obviously, Paul Mullin, the lead scorer, with 38 league goals and 8 FA Cup goals. Now, that currently puts him in the in the golden boot. The only person right now who can beat him is Mares for Man City, but Mares is going to have to score four goals in the final against Man U to be able to take the golden boot out 
of uh, out of Mullin's hands. So it looks like, even though Mullin has not got the golden boot for the league this season, he's going to get the golden boot for the FA Cup. So, Daz, before we go to it in depth, with all those facts and figures and everything we said, what's been your general impression of the of this season's Wrexham team? Uh, my general impression was by missing out last year so closely. Um, could they could they hold their heads up? Could they turn it around? Do it all again and maintain that level that you know that, that they've established? And and that, I think that's what's impressed me is that they they have you know they've done it and some. Uh, so yes, a few a few more additions here and there, but ultimately um, to go again, keep that consistency. You know that that that, that must have been really really hard last year. I could honestly, as I couldn't agree more. I mean, that the the loss to to Grimsby Town in the playoffs last year was, for me personally, was an absolute gut punch. I mean, what about you, Jamie? I mean, to get, I mean, you know, we 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 played so well up to that point, and all right, yes, we'd lost in the trophy final, uh, you know, to, to and, and that was unfortunate. And you and I went to Wembley and had that day out and whatever. But to then get to lose the way we did against Grim, against Grimsby, that was painful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was the way that, that we lost. I think it, it's going to sound quite stupid if I'm saying this, but if, it wouldn't have been so bad if we'd have lost three 0 But to lose the way we did and the way the game went, I mean, it's becoming it's becoming the bloody norm now. I mean, whether it's because of these um, documentary cameras or what, I don't know. But it makes good TV. But it's not. It doesn't make. Uh, doesn't make good for my frigging heart. No, no, me neither. No. So um, let's go through. Let's go through the season month by month, and we'll pull out some key games in every month uh, that, that really, you know, we really felt that that made the difference. So let's just start with August. So in August we had thirteen points from eighteen. That included a five nil win versus Maidstone United. So obviously that was a, a telling stat for them at the start of the season, which showed which way they were going. And our first away win at Woking, three two, where Hayden scored two. Jamie, what do you think? What was your key game in the month of August? do you think I think the key for me was the first game of the season at home uh, to, to Eastleigh um, I think going into the season just following on from what Dad said before about that you know the the the, the new new newly found optimism of overcoat although it was disappointment from the way that we finished last season um, to, to, to finish second and to be there it was very much that go again and there was a huge optimism around the place um, but it was a strange game because Obviously, we went we went one nil down um, relatively early on, and then for a big part of the game we were behind and kind of thinking, oh, here we go again. Uh, and then there he comes, um, you know, Elliot Lee comes off the bench and gets his first two goals. Was that nervousness that you felt? Was that felt across the whole stadium? You know, did, was was there the expectation, or did everybody just go, nah, this is fine, we've got this, and we're going again? No, I, I think that there was. Um, I think a lot of Wrexham fans, by their own admission, if they were being honest, they're quite. You know, we're, we're quite a pessimistic bunch, and I think you know probably because of what we've been through over the years. And and I think there there is that air of oh here we go again. Oh, we're going to do a Wrexham again. Oh, yeah, that's the that's I, always the key word, isn't it? That you always hear. Oh, we're going to Wrexham it. You know, yeah. and, and that and first I, game you kind of going oh we're going to Wrexham it. Oh, here we go. Yeah, and and I, and I, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a, a mass, booing or you know, it, it wasn't that anywhere near that bad. But but you could feel the tension in the ground, or even on that first game of the season. Um, 
but looking back on you know looking back on it now to to, to think how significant those two goals were and two bloody good goals as well um they you know, massive so moving to September, in September we got 10 points from possible 12 and it was quite a high scoring month. We were 5-0 away to Dorking and 4-1 uh, versus Dagenham and Redbridge. Jamie, what was your key game for September? I think for me the key game in September was the home game against Torquay um, just purely because we you know, we won 6-0. Six different scorers. Sam Dolby got his first goal and it was the first time you know of, of, in the season that Everything really clicked, and and I think certainly I felt, hmm, yeah, we you know we're we're the real deal this season. I think, and 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 you know as as it then proved, that wasn't a fluke performance or result. You know, we we, we did that again um, throughout the season. You know, maybe not to the same to the same value, but the performance, um, and and it, it, yeah, it, it was just it was it was a you know Christ beating anybody at home six nil is, is is a brilliant day, and it, it was a brilliant day. So moving to October, in October we scored uh, 13 points from a possible 18, and that included the absolutely crazy Barnet match, where we obviously the, the final result was 7-5, but it was just you know seesawing you know with with scores, and that was the first time we'd scored seven in a match for 27 years. And then also let's not forget October as well was when we had that narrow loss to Notts County, which I think at that point we'd already realised that they were our they were our kind of um, they they were our kind of rivals. They were the ones. So to lose that match by such a skinny margin was 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 quite upsetting. Of course, we also had the FA Cup qualifier and the replay against Blythe Spartans. So it was a really busy uh, busy month. Uh, Jamie. What's your key game for October? Key game for October was the away game at Oldham. Now, uh, I didn't go to that game, but I've certainly spoke to a lot of people who did, and that was massive, I think. You know, we didn't play particularly well. Um, conceded a goal to an ex-player, which is always... Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. always a, a, a horrible pill to swallow. Um, and, and we were, you know, we, we looked like we were losing. And then, obviously... Uh, toes were equalised with about six minutes to go I think it was but then it was that man wasn't it um, you know Mullen with a, I think it was 94th or 95th minute penalty to win the game at the death and then you know obviously fans and limbs everywhere and um, you, you know great atmosphere from, from what you could see and pick up on, on social media and stuff and, and it, you know as it again as it turned out a very crucial away win um, just one other mention, though, in October, you mentioned it briefly there about the, the Blythe Spartans games, the, the FA Cup games. Um, I, I would go so far as to say that when we played the replay at the race course against Blythe, their away support is probably one of the best that mm. came, came to the race yep. course. No, I agree. You know? I totally um, agree. I don't, know, I don't know if you remember, but they had massive issues getting here. They did. Um, and they did. You know, the, 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 the noise they made, the, the, the banter between two sets of fans was, was brilliant throughout that game. And I totally. thoroughly enjoyed that. It totally. Good. Absolutely. So November rolled round, and in November we had 10 points for a possible 12. And I, I felt we were starting to build momentum in a really good way with things like a win versus Scunthorpe United 3-1. And obviously we also had you know a, a few FA Cup games. Do you, do, you, do you have any specific kind of key games for November, Jamie? I don't think there was, there's one standout one. I mean, obviously, like you said there, there was the, the, the first and second round proper of the FA Cup, which were obviously two key games. Because I think we, we both, um, both of those games, we, we kind of went into thinking, ah, oh, bloody banana skin potentially. I mean, obviously, the Oldham one was, was the, the, the now famous uh, uh, social media spat between uh, 
what's his name Frank Frank McCap and, uh, and oh, yeah. Owners, which oh yeah oh yeah uh, <laughs> hats off to Rob and Ryan and the way they handled that and uh, what, what, how did they say uh, you don't know us but you will uh, yeah and, and and the boys obviously went out and, and beat them but then even against Farnborough you know on paper it was a massive FA Cup shock waiting to happen but we thoroughly professional performance and beat them four one and obviously got us into the third round. So moving to December, happy Christmas to everybody. Ten points from twelve in December. We started with a really disappointing draw at York City, uh, which was was a, a little bit of a surprise. What were you, what was your particular key uh, mo- key game though in December, Jane? The home game on Boxing Day to Solihull Moors, I think. Um, a because I was amazingly hungover. Um, <laughs> you were, you were, yeah. you were absolutely, you were ragged. You were, but. Um, I mean, so- Solihull, even though they've not necessarily had the best of seasons, they're always a tough side to play, or certainly whenever we've played them, they've always been a tough side to play. And again, it's that whole, you, you get into the to the point of the season where all the teams you're coming up against, you, 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 it's that pessimism again. You can't help but think, oh, you know, we're going to trip up here, or this is a bogey team, or whatever. And, and again, there was that well, there was that little bit of a feeling of, um, oh, you know, it's a tough, tough game to have. But again, we absolutely blitzed it, 5-0. Super four mulling with a hat trick. I mean, the thing is, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Daz, but I love a Boxing Day match. I absolutely love it. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I do think that the the holiday periods, in that sense, you've got you know, football is part of it. What I was curious was, though, of course, that was the, pretty much the midway point of the season. So you, you, you there was that thumping of Solly Moors at home, but then you're. Uh, the, um, am I right in saying they played them the week after again? Yeah, we played uh, them away, the away in, the, in the January. Yeah, so, so that must have been strange, knowing that you know that, that you're going to see them again. Well, it was a weird thing because obviously by that point, I would say we, you know, by the end of December, we're halfway through the season, so we're second with 53 points. We're four points behind Notts County, and we had a game in hand, so we were building. I mean, looking at that, Daz, you know, did you think? Did you think? Oh, this is it, Wrexham. We're going to boss the league, or do you? Did you have a? Uh, did you think a little bit of caution should have been placed in there? Uh, no, I think because, you know, Wrexham hadn't lost a game since that Notts County game back in October. So they, you know, they were clearly on a roll. And as much as there was a, you know, the odd draw here and there, they were predominantly wins. So, you know, they were clearly demonstrating to the whole league and to anybody watching in from the outside, you know, that, they, that their credentials were, you know, justified. And I and I do think that uh, they'd learned lots of lessons from the previous campaign. And, and yeah, I just, I just thought, no, it was... It, I was getting a bit annoyed because I have my own teams that I've always followed, and then now having Wrexham underneath my wings, it's just, uh, suddenly I'm going, okay, this is another team to keep an eye out for and get worried about these these unbeaten runs. But but no, it's it's been it's been it's been oh, it's been great, and 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 that was right at the peak of it, really. When you say you get such you know good scores like that five nil and stuff, you just thought, yeah, no, they've got the you know so much potential. So moving to January, Happy New Year, everybody. It was 12 points from 12, which is an incredible stat for such a busy month. It was a bumper month. There were four league games and three cup games, two in the FA Cup, one in the trophy. Uh, obviously, we'd lost that effort, that FA Trophy game. But to be fair, I don't think any single fan, Wrexham fan, give a, gave a toss about losing that one. You know, we basically put out a second string uh, at, uh, at Alti and, um, and we only lost on penalties, if you remember, as well. Yeah, but... My, my my lasting memory of that game was the uh, I have to say it the rather tragic pitching uh, pitching. Oh yeah, end. that was um, 
That I was mean, laughable. What have you done? You've managed to beat our second string eleven. Congratulations Jesus. on penalties. Let's not forget as well yeah. on penalties. Uh, what were your? You know, obviously, like I say, January was a bumper bumper month. What were your kind of key games within January, Jim? I couldn't. I couldn't pick one. So for for me, there were two, and they were both the FA Cup games we played. Um, now, unfortunately, I didn't get to Coventry because I was working, but you did. You oh so yes. Oh, I, I, thankfully, yes. I was I was able to get home in time to watch the game, but I obviously I couldn't go unfortunately, and and that that is. I think that's probably the one regret from this season that I have got is that I couldn't go to that game I, because I have to be honest. You know, my my memory of fo- my memory of football games is all normally always about atmospheres because I can't remember specifics because I'm so Don't lie, old. It's always fun. about the pies. It's always about the pies as well. Let's not forget that. But I mean that Coventry that Coventry away end, we were all packed into a fairly small space, but the noise and the energy. I mean, you. I, the players couldn't help but feed off that, and the fact that we just literally went out and we just absolutely smashed them. They were. They looked like a you know a lower lower league team, and we looked like the championship team, and that's what was remarkable. The only thing that let us down in the end is the fact that our defence started getting leaky, and it was a little bit as uh, as Rob would say, squeaky bum time at the end. Hundred percent. That first half was ridiculous. The, the standard of football we played and the way we dominated them was was ridiculous. But uh, let's settle this once and for all. Elliot Lee's goal. Did he mean it or not? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm getting in there straight away and say I don't think so. But he can I, absolutely. At the time, at the time watching it live, at the time watching it live, I thought he meant it. When I've watched it back since on TV. I think it was a cross. I think he was putting it to the far stick for somebody to nod it in, uh, but it yeah. just, it just. I mean, the keeper didn't deal with it particularly well, to be brutally honest with you. Yeah, any yeah. any fairly good keeper would have got in the right position and parried it around the post or tipped it over the top. So, yeah. yeah. Talking of coverage, though, I would say that for me, um, again, watching in from the outside, this was the turning point from, I think, a national interest again from the yeah. fact that this was BBC, wasn't it? And so you're on main mainstream television now where, you know, people are suddenly going, OK, let's see what Wrexham is all about now with the owners. And, and again, the, the circus was getting whipped up. But to have played so brilliantly to that yeah. larger audience, I think that was a point where another layer another level another group of fans or people of you know showing interest um were were able to join in and join the party because i do think that that was a great platform and you're right they played brilliantly and that atmosphere oh it came across on screen uh i i absolutely was envious of you being in in the crowd that day and obviously, as Jamie, as you said, we also had that home tie against Sheffield United. And we, Jamie, you and I were both at that match. I mean, again, as a home game, I don't know how it... And I'll ask you in a second, Daz, about... Because I, I would imagine you watched it on TV. But uh, as two people were in the ground, that was an electric 90-plus minutes, wasn't it? It, it? Yeah, I mean, atmosphere is one thing that I, I made a note of. I, I mean, for me, it's probably up there in the top three this season for home atmospheres. There was There was something, you know... You go to some games at home, and obviously full houses every week now. And there's, there's sometimes can be an element of, of of the atmosphere being a bit flat, um, you know. And, and absolutely, it was the opposite for that game from start to finish. The atmosphere was incredible, and I, I think you know ultimately we went into that game, and it was a uh, despite what had happened against Coventry and how well we played, 
it was absolutely a free hit. There yeah, was no totally. expectation on it totally. at all. And yeah. it was all the pressure was on um, Sheffield United. And, and to be honest with you, it couldn't have started any worse. Because, I mean, it was, oh. what, within 10 minutes, we lost both Tunnicliffe. And in fact, Tunnicliffe was in the first literally 60 seconds. Yep. Uh, yeah. And then Hayden within 10 minutes. And, and, and I'm ready to cry because thinking, totally. you know, the two of our key players um, and, and, you know, what, what came out of that was was Tom O'Connor's versatility oh, moved yeah. back into defence and and how cru- crucial has he been in that position? Totally and utterly. Um, yeah. But but the the rest of the performance was just incredible. I just so gutted we couldn't hold on uh, in, in that last minute. If we'd have won that three two, I mean that would have been incredible. But it wasn't to be. But don't forget as well that was coming right at the end of a very very long month. And the end of a very, very long game. I'm not surprised they couldn't hold on, to be fair. I mean, you know, that was a Herculean effort to get to where they were. Daz, I take it you watched it on TV. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where the level, you know, people say, you know, skill level or adrenaline and all of that. But I just think fitness, you know, that's what you get at that next level and level after that and then the level after that, you know. And and, and, and as much as the, the, the desire was there, you could see they put every effort in um, not being able to hold on to it. No, you're right. It's not a surprise that, that that's what that's that the level level of, of athleticism that you need to play at the, you know, in, in the top leagues. So moving to February, from in February we still managed to get 19 points out of 21 in the league and the games just now kept coming. We had seven league games and one FA Cup replay. Obviously that FA replay was against uh, Sheffield where we lost 3-1 and our old friend Billy Sharp, the uh, spoiled, <laughs> spoiled child who threw all his toys at the pram. Interesting to see this week that apparently his contract renegotiations have not gone particularly well and he may not be appearing again in a Sheffield United shirt. And do you know what? I'm sure that he's going to enjoy whichever pub team he goes to play for where he's the star. And I'm just going to leave that one there unless you two gentlemen would like to comment further. He comes across very nicely on camera. <laughs> Looks like a lovely man. <laughs> so obviously do, we. <laughs> I, I, mm, do, just I can just add something. Do, do we have a bleak machine on this podcast? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. Prick. Um, so obviously, you know, we, uh, as I said, we had seven league games on top of that. Jamie, what were your kind of key games for February? Uh, again, a couple of key ones in February because, like you said, there were so many games. I think uh, one was definitely the away game at Aldershot. Um, Mainly because, as, as as we'll all remember, it's where Sam Dolby got the, I think it was 94th or 95th minute uh, headed winner, um, which was such an, imp- looking back now, um, such a crucial goal and such a crucial three points that we picked up there. Um, again, uh, you know, having to watch that on, on, on TV, but... Um, to, to, to think we were, I mean, I think we went 3 1 up, but then conceded a stupid goal just before half. Yeah, I, three, two at the again, half. I was there for that one. We were, I was in the away end, and it was. It was a kind of a, we, you know, we started off really strongly and we thought, oh, this is going to be easy. And then again, for some reason, we fell asleep. Mark Howard fell asleep. You know, they were just, I don't know what it was, but we absolutely had to fight our way. And if it, as I say, if it wasn't for Sam Dolby, you know, you know, it absolutely would have been different. And what, what other games kind of took, stood out for you in February? The other one in February was the home game against Chesterfield. Um, oh yeah, yeah. If, if memory serves me right, it had been postponed. Um, it was a it was a rearranged game, um, and even though Chesterfield had lost their way a little bit by February, um, they 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 were going through a bit of a bad patch. They they've got a lot of good players and they're always a threat. 
um, and were always a potential, um, you know, banana skin for us. And I, and I think there was a, there were a lot of nerves on, on that game. Mm, but yeah. again, I think it, it was one of it was one of those games where. We, we got what we needed, which was a very early goal. Again, another Elliot Lee goal. I think it was only after about four minutes and it was a, a, a cracking goal and that really settled the nerves. And then from that point on, it was a great performance. I mean, they did have a couple of chances. I remember them flashing, flashing a couple across the goal mouth and there was one, I think, in the second half where literally the guy put his foot literally over the top of the ball. I don't know how he didn't score. It was harder to miss than to score. But yeah, it was, again, a crucial, crucial win um, at that time. And this, Daz, this is what I remember thinking that the squad now, the squad depth was starting to really play into it because obviously we're starting to get a lot of games quick and fast. I mean, did you did you feel that too? Yeah, I think you know seven games in. A, I mean, this is the conversation we had before, which is that you know with all these cup games, then rescheduling will happen. You get an increased number of games, and but they, it's not the number of games; it's the amount of time in between and the amount of recovery time. And when you then lose key players like Hayden, you know, it, you you do need that squad. You do need to use them effectively. But well, that, it is it's hard. That February, I remember, was was that was literally was it February? Literally Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, yeah. Saturday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was six yeah. weeks. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I don't care how how fit and how athletic and and how good you 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 know you 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 recover and stuff. That's a massive ask that to be to be playing, um, you know, playing competitive football, um, and you know, meaningful competitive football. You know, two two days apart is is a bloody big ask. So moving to March, uh, we're starting to get to the pointy end now, and there's 13 points from 15 in March. Wrexham are now top at this point by one point with a game in hand. Uh, but obviously, you know, we had that the the hammer blow, and I would imagine Jamie, that's going to be your key game for the for March. Yeah, the maiden head away. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, without a doubt, it, it was it was a game we should have won, um, and. You know, look, we all know what happened and we all know the mistake that Mark Howard made. I, I, I didn't at the time and I'm not going to now sort of jump all over him and call him all the names under the sun. It, it was a legit error. Um, I, but <clears throat> it felt crucial at the time. Dropping those two points felt crucial and, and you know, obviously it was quite interesting. Then after that, that was, um, you know, that was the last time he played for it, wasn't it? Because um, Rob Lincoln came back in after that and then, um, you know, Ben Foster joined not long after that because of Lincoln's injury. So, uh, yeah, at the time, I, I was devastated by dropping those two points because I, I felt it felt really significant. Get go that would go. It was going to go against us. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be fair though, we did rally after that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you, you know, we as the team has done all, all season. You know, we we we. Taken knocks because you, you're going to throughout the course of a season. It's never going to be a one way, one way thing. Um, but that, but that was the middle of a twenty game period where you only drew like once, twice or something, and not dropped any other points. I mean, that was an incredible period of time. Mm. I think yeah, no, I think in, in in any other season, I think you'd you, you know you'd accept. Oh, you've, you've you can see the late goal and you've got a draw. But I think as the season was going on, the expectation and the 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 desire to want to get out of this league and feel like we finally had a chance to get out of this league I think every point dropped felt like a hammer blow um, you know but uh, yeah I mean it's interesting it's interesting you say that because obviously moving to April you know last month 
We only took 14 points from 21, by far and away the worst amount of points gathered. You know, the last the last seven games in there. I mean, do, do, Jamie, do you feel we were starting to get a bit of the jitters? Um, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I don't think there was there was a. I don't think we were having a wobble as such. I mean, I think if you if you look at some of the points that we dropped, it, it business end of the season, isn't it? There bound to be a bit of nerves at play, but also, you know, quality quality opposition we we were playing in, and, and you know, tr- some tricky fixtures there, home and away. Um, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, at the start of the April, Wrexham were on ninety seven points with the game in hand. Notts County were on ninety four, so it was still you know they were absolutely pushing us right to the edge, weren't they, does? Yeah, and 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 I think you know the three of us spoke around that time when uh, we were asking about you know can they do it against Notts County and Notts County. Jamie, you actually said it was the Halifax game that you were more worried about, and yeah. and and that that you know everybody was looking ahead to that big sort of top of the table clash, and you suspected that that Halifax game was going to be the slipper. Yeah, I again, I'm Christ, I'm going to start putting the. I'm going to start putting a coin in the jar for every time I say the word pessimism. Um, it was very much because of that. You know, we were. It was Good Friday. The weather forecast was great. We were taking four and a half thousand fans away. Um, it's a game on paper. We should have won comfortably. I just had this feeling that I and I'm not saying for a second that I thought the players had an eye on the the, the Notts County game the following Monday. It it's going to happen. You're going to have an off day, and I think that's what it was. It was an off day. Um, you know, they had a couple of players, Halifax had a couple of players on that day who, who you know, turned into, you know, Ronaldinho and Pele for the day um, <laughs> and, and just were better than us on the day. And you, you have to take defeats on the chin. Um, but do you think that helped then galvanise them for the Notts County game? Because, you know, that that's obviously the game that everybody wanted to, to make sure that, they, the, you know, that was the win. Yeah, see, seeing, seeing um, how tight-knit this squad is yes I do believe that they would have used that as fuel to add to the fire that they would have already had to, to win that Notts County game you know that the the losing to Halifax disappointing the, the away fans that travelled losing the game and, and losing ground uh, it would have all added uh, fuel to, 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 to the to the fire for wanting to beat Notts County I mean just let, let's just let's just touch on that Notts County game for a second I mean that was a that was a big big game wasn't it Massive. I mean, for me, it's it, it, it's up there for me. It was the the best game of the season, and and I'm I'm I would go so far as to say, for me personally, it, it's the best game I've ever been to. Um, it, it, it was. It had everything. Mm. You know, the the. It, I was so nervous for that going going into that game. I mean, you know, we we talked about and we'll talk in a second about the the, the, the last game, mm. home game against Boreham Wood. Mm. I wasn't nervous for that game, but the Notts County game. Build leading up to it, I was absolutely petrified, nervous. Mm. Um, but the, the, it, it literally had everything. I mean, you talk about writing a script for for TV and for the documentary. You literally, if you tried to write it, you couldn't have written it any better than 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 how it turned out. It literally had everything. Um, what a game! I mean, what an unbelievable game that was. I mean, yeah, we went behind, we went in the lead, they equalised, then we went back in the lead. Then, very at the end, looks like we're going to equalise, and we're all looking at it, going, "Oh, oh well, okay." So I suppose it's not; it's one point. And then, obviously, Super Ben Foster 
doing his thing. Super Ben <laughs> doing his thing. I mean, like you, like like you said, Daz, if you were, if you read, if you type that up on a typewriter and presented it as a script to somebody, they would go typewriter. How old are you? Yeah, they would go. Please rewrite it on a on a word processor. Oh no, not a word so processor. You're, <laughs> you're such a pair of wankers. Um, all right. So if you if you emailed it to somebody. You know, uh, as a you know a, a producer, and said, "I'm thinking about doing this film." They'd look at that script and go, "No, that's way too unbelievable," wouldn't they? I mean, that's the yeah. incredible thing about it. No, I, I think that's part of the the romanticised journey. I mean, okay, yes, we're, we're saying this is being captured for a documentary, and how much of that is as made us all pay more attention to it i mean i'm sure every club has got some sort of journey some sort of story but this seemed to have gone that little bit further uh, and to get a former goalkeeper you know somebody who spent time there to come back after a, you know a, a pretty decent career having not that long ago been playing in the premiership and then without you know without I, I didn't see that coming. I don't know, you know, about him, no. you know, returning to the club. So no. suddenly, without any preparation, you're dealing with this amazing situation, and then on a plate, the opportunity to be the hero, and boy, does he take it! The thing is, it wasn't just—it wasn't just a save. It was a hell of a save. Mm. I've, I've watched it. I'm sure we've all watched it. I've watched it yeah. over and over again, and it was at any level in world football, you'd be talking about it for years. It was a phenomenal penalty because it wasn't a particularly bad penalty. No, uh, no, know, no, it was actually no. a decent penalty, but no, the was, quality was... of the save was brilliant. If you had to criticise, you'd probably say a little bit too close to the keeper, but it was low down and it was struck with a yeah. fair amount of power. So you know, but I think it's the fact as well that that if you look at it, Foster gets his right hand to it, it bounces up, yeah. and then he parries it with his left hand as it's coming up to then tip it around. I mean, that's that's that is stunning. Stunningly, stunningly good. Um, obviously, we, that leads us down pretty much. We, we we knew what we needed to do then. We'd done that. We'd got that result behind us. That monkey was off our back. We were now heading basically towards the game where we knew that all we needed to do was get three points out of this game and we're home. And that, of course, is the game versus Boreham Wood. Jamie, your thoughts on that game? Uh, well, 50 seconds in, I was ready to start crying. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, that you're talking about scripts. That wasn't in the script because... The whole day up to that point was brilliant. You know, the atmosphere around the town, uh, you know, go in and you know, in and around the pubs, going up to the ground, around the ground, in the ground. It was incredible. It felt, you know, everybody had this feeling of it's our day. Um, and then fifty seconds in to concede that goal, I was oh no. Um, but then to be honest with you, I never really felt that we weren't going to go on and win that game. Um, you know, even after that, conceding that early goal. Um, conceding you know, early, quite... though, conceding early is, is better, isn't it? Because at least you've got a chance to react. Yeah, hundred. Oh God, yeah, hundred um, percent. I think it, it it all played it all played a part in the day. You know, I mean, we talked about the crowd and things, but you know, that was really. I think I mentioned it last week. That was really significant on that day for me. The fact that as soon as that goal went in, there was no. You know, groaning from the crowd. There was no. Oh God. There was no. It, it was instant. Within ten seconds of that goal going in, it, it, the rumble started. The crowd started again, straight behind the team. And and I think that's all intertwined. And you know the the the, the, the sort of mentality that this team seems to have is, well, okay, they scored, but but you know we, we're we're still going to win. Um, and they just put the ball back down, played the game, played their game, um, and and you know, it came good. 
and some absolutely st- some stunning goals that you know we played the Coventry last the, the, the Coventry we played the Coventry last week and obviously just incredible and obviously when that final whistle uh, went Jim I mean you and me would I was in tears everybody around us was in tears you know it was just uh, yeah I, I was tr- I was trying to find the defib station. <laughs> uh, it was it was mega scenes wasn't it i mean you know we've all seen the pictures and, and the videos and i think the only you know being being ultra selfish for, for both of us i think the the only if you could wish and change one thing it would have been nice to have been on the low, on a lower level to be able to have gone onto the pitch um just i think it would have been so nice to have been uh in you know in that kind of uh environment for for, for a very brief second uh, although we do not condone entering the playing playing area at all, you, d- you don't want a record of any kind. Then. So obviously, then that means that we finish the season as we said earlier on 111 points. We'd managed to do it. We managed to beat Notts County, who had absolutely pushed us to the very, very end. In one of our future episodes, we're going to talk about what comes next. But Daz, after a season like that, what what were your what was your general kind of you know feelings towards what what we just witnessed? Oh, I mean, I was, I was. There was a sense of relief that all of that circus attention, all of that pressure, all of that expectation was finally allowed to be lifted. So there was an element of that. But of course, having been at your side, uh, you know, many a time, the the fifteen-year wait, I, mm. felt, I I genuinely felt for you guys that that was, you know, such an amazing uh, final chapter in what had been you know a, a long period a very disappointing period of being out of the football top four pyramid system and 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 i just think you know finally to get out of there i just felt relief on behalf of the club for you guys who have just been part of that for so long and jamie what were your thoughts at the end i can, I, I you know i can only echo what daz has just said there from a you know from from a fan's perspective he hit the nail on the head it, it, it was that sense of relief wasn't it you know it's been um, 15 years of, of, of torture being in this league um, and and to, to see uh, and feel and be a part of, of um, you know wh- where the club's at and where it's going now and to finally just get get over that line and close that chapter because that because that's what this is this is just closing a chapter and we're now on to the next one this is not the end of the story you know this is just the beginning <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first annual Golden Potato Awards. That cost us an absolute fortune, that opening. Yes, it's the Eat More Chips Golden Potato Awards. Our chance on the pod to recognise some of the more memorable moments for Wrexham AFC over the last season. Our panel of experts, well, me, Daz and Jamie, have nominated in each category and in a very democratic and transparent system, I've picked the winners. So, without further ado, Daz and I have our tuxes on and Jamie is fashioning a pink taffeta ball gown from the house of Dior Angus. So, to our first award, it's the Get In There Award for Goal of the Season. Now, honourable mentions should go to uh, Elliot Lee's Cross Come Shot versus Coventry in the FA Cup and Rosie Hughes's winning goal versus Connors Key Nomads at the Kairas. 
Ynghwrs Gosgur Tîm Cartra, ond mae Rexham yn torri'n ŵan, ond mae'r bel wedi dod at Rosie Hughes, Hughes, i mewn i cwrs Gosby, Rosie Hughes ond y golwr, ond mae Rexham nôl ar y blaen, a dwch gwrs, ond gwrs bod Rosie Hughes yn disgorio prawma, mae'n sgorio bob gem. But, by 2-1 votes, Jamie, would you open the envelope and announce the winner, please? The winner is Super Paul Mullins' first goal against Boreham Wood. Mullin looking to wriggle away and get his shot off! Special goal on Wrexham's big day! He's done the business all season long! And now he gets the goal! So for me, uh, this is the goal of the season. Um, not not just because of how good of a goal it was, and, it, and by God, it was a good goal. Um, you know, watch it again and again. It, it epitomises everything that, that Paul Mullen is about. I think, it, 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 on top of the quality of the goal, it was the significance of the goal as well. That, for me, is why I feel it is, is the goal of the season. You know, you've given the honourable mentions there. And, and for a team that scored as many goals as we have this season, there were plenty to pick from. But, yeah, for, for, for me, the goal of the season was Paul Mullins first against Boreham Wood. Next up, the Woo Award for the most surprising moment of the season. Something that totally surprised us. Now, again, honourable mentions go to Will Farrell for turning up to watch a match. But the winner, again, with two votes to one, Daz, can you open the envelope, please? Most surprising moment goes to Super Ben Foster in goal. Foster out of retirement be the hero for Wrexham here this is nail biting this is infuriating Scott steps up oh unbelievable an unbelievable save Ben Foster at the age of 40 has given Wrexham a vital vital so when this was announced that Ben Foster had been signed by Wrexham, I mean, I didn't know to believe it, you know, following on with all the sort of rumour mills of all the other sort of, you know, big names that were being touted. But this one was real. I couldn't believe, you know, that that was such a surprise. Um, I didn't recall or know of the of the, the previous history. So there's some sort of lovely sort of symmetry to the whole uh, to the whole story. And then for him to to have been such a significant part of the team. I mean, that was just incredible. So, yeah. What a surprising moment. Next, the Sliding Doors Award for Season's Turning Point, a moment which we felt sent our season in the right direction. Now, this was a total split as we all voted for a different event. Honourable mentions go to beating Coventry in the FA Cup and, of course, Ben Foster saving that penalty versus Notts County. But the winner is the 96th minute late goal versus Aldershot by Sam Dolby to win 4-3. Gestion of bodies in the six-yard box. Ball swings in, flicked on! Wrexham have done it! Unbelievable saves! Ordershotta have worked and toiled, but Wrexham have spoiled. Last touch of the game. 
Now, for me, this was a pivotal point of the season. With only a dozen or so games to go, Notts County had won their match earlier 4-1. And if we'd drawn, our two, team, our two games in hand would have left us still with a point behind Notts County. And it would have totally been in their hands. The late goal showed that our fight and desire to win were there. And I, I think from there, we never looked back because the league title was still within our control. So I think definitely that goal, the fact that it was in the 96th minute, even though as well we, uh, we, as we said earlier, we'd come from in front to give away a number of goals to get to the draw. The fact that we'd managed to do it at such the, the last gas moment, I think was an absolute turning point for the season. Next up, the bloody good job there there award for the most valuable player of the season. Now this was a unanimous decision by all three of us. So Jamie, please open the golden envelope and announce the winner. The winner is Ben Tozer. Ball stabbed to Ford. Gets his head up, gets the cross in. Oh, it's a small ball! Oh, go! Absolute precision! What a strike from Ben Tozer! Gets Wrexham level! I think Ben Tozer has been outstanding this season. Um, a little bit of an unsung hero, although I think you know he will get a lot of, of um, plaudits from 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 Wrexham fans. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the guys played every minute and every every game, which is an incredible feat in itself. Um, but I think the reason for me, uh, you know, wh- wh- why he goes as the most valuable player for us is that I think if you look at the um, all the, the chopping and changing around him and behind him during the season, you know, the goalkeeper situation between. Howard, Linton, Foster, losing to Tunnicliffe for big parts of the season, Hayden for big parts of the season, having to play alongside Max and having to play alongside O'Connell and play alongside O'Connor as an emergency. But yet the the, 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 the staple and the consistent through all that, keeping it all together as being Tozer, um, yeah, is an absolutely fantastic season and, and yeah, well-deserved as, 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 as a key and valuable, you know, most valuable member of the, of the side. Now the Where have they been all season award For the most improved player of the season Now honourable mentions go to Sam Dolby but by two votes to one Daz please open the envelope And the most improved player Goes to Tom O'Connor Tom O'Connor standing over it with Luke Young alongside, it's O'Connor, taking a deflection and it's gone in! Fortune favours Wrexham to get them back into this game, a deflection, oh, a free kick taken by O'Connor, completely beats the goalkeeper, it's a good response. I think from my point of view, I don't get to see all the players up close and personal, but for all the performances, especially in the FA Cup, I just thought Tom's performances were just incredible. Um, I, I think that's just epitomised by uh, his contribution to that game against Coventry, where after conceding a goal and after dominating, you know, to get an extra goal just before the half, just you know, just really cemented their position in the game. And I thought that was a really pivotal moment in that game. But also, you know, his ability to step back into defence, play in many different positions, you know, that versatility um, is a great asset to any club. 
And finally, our last award, the Wrexham Legend Award for the Player of the Season. Now, controversially for this one, two of us voted for the man who undoubtedly deserves the Player of the Season Award, and that would be Paul Mullin. However, I felt that the winner of the Wrexham Legend Award has made the maximum impact since arriving only 10 months ago. He has, in my opinion, been the outstanding player of the year. Jamie, you voted for this player, and so, for the final time, Please open the envelope and reveal our Wrexham Legend Award winner. And the winner is Elliot Lee. Back to Lee! Oh! What an impact! What a goal from Elliot Lee! A snapshot on the left-hand side brings Wrexham back into the game. 1-1! To Mullin. Mullin can find... Elliot Lee again! Oh! Two goals for the substitute. Mullin to Lee. Wrexham 2-1 up. Brilliant footwork by Elliot Lee. Can he get the shot to win? Seal the win. He does. Straight through Foster. And that goal will send Wrexham into the fourth round of the FA Trophy. Really just takes his time. Ushered back by Cook. But Mendy plays it to Mullin. Lays it off to Lee. Lee with shooting distance. And it's a screamer by Elliot Lee. You did not stop those! Was it a cross? Was it a shot? Wrexham do not care! Non-league Wrexham are two goals to the goods away at Coventry. Quite simply for me, I know, you know, Mullin will, Paul Mullin will obviously get... um, he will get a lot of praise and quite rightly so. Uh, and there's some other notable mentions as well. Uh, but for me, Elliot Lee has been a f- phenomenal this season. Um, a- absolute different quality of player. Um, and-, and his main attributes are there for everybody to see. Assists, you know, the goals he scored. But I think when you've watched Wrexham as much as we have this this year, and I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me, si, the thing that, that, that's most notice- noticeable about him is his work rate. Um, you know, he tracked, but he tracks back. He helps the defence. He, he, great slide, slide tackle. Um, and I think that that added in with with the, you know the offensive part of his game. Just for, for me, is he's been an absolute revelation. Uh, and for me, is is player of the season. I think for me, when you look at him, he makes it look so effortless. You know, he will he will get out of tight situations where he's been pounced on by by you know. Two, two defenders or two people trying to get the ball off him or he's passed through the ball or he's looked at the space and he's moved to space or I mean particularly a lot of the goals where he's come in from the wing he's floated in along the edge of the box he's looking for that little chink in the armour where maybe that defender isn't quite in the right position and he's just popped it in a curl think, thinking oh, I can see the keepers leaving me a little nice little postage stamp bin in the top corner there I'm going to go for that I mean Daz I mean that for me has got it Daz what do you, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you've said it all, you two. Uh, I, th- I think the, the the class is there for all, and I and I I think what's nice to when you watch him play is that he's uh, generating that enthusiasm with the younger players as well. That that level of experience, that that quality, is just inspirational. And to be, be able to play alongside him, that's gonna you know benefit the whole team over the over the coming years. And so that wraps up the Golden Potato Awards for this season. Congratulations to all the winners, but let's be honest, 
they're all winners and they have put on such a show for all as fans this season and I'm sure that Daz and Jamie would agree that uh, you know if we could give a prize to everybody then we would so thank you on behalf of the pod to all of you and let's hope that this is the start of a, a long run of many successes going forward in the future And that's it for the Eat More Chips podcast for this week, the official podcast of one of the greatest Welsh football supporters' flags ever seen. I've been Welsh Techie, and if you've enjoyed it, please support the podcast, like, subscribe, and leave a comment. You can go onto our social media, such as Twitter, at TweetMoreChips, or drop us an email, eatmorechipspodcast, or one word, at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Eat More Chips podcast, and now on Facebook, search for the Eat More Chips podcast group. You can leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on, and if you have anything particular you'd like us to discuss, then please feel free to drop us a line. I'd like to say good luck to uh, Notts County and Chesterfield for the playoff final on Saturday. Uh, boys, do you think that'll be an interesting game? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it should be, shouldn't it? Um, I can't see it being a, a, a scrappy 1-0. Um, I said it at the start of the playoffs... Uh, I've got a sneaky feeling for Chesterfield, I'll be honest. Daz, do you think Chesterfield or Notts County? Well, Notts County nearly, nearly dropped the ball in the first <laughs> one. You know, they were ever so close to going out. That was, you know, I, I, I think the expectation on them is so huge in the way it's been on Wrexham. But I, yeah, maybe Chesterfield could do it. I, I'd like Notts County to do it because they've earned it. I think it'll be Notts County personally. I think they will. I think even though it's because it's at Wembley, they're going to take. Look, if you look at social media, they're taking twice as many fans as Chesterfield are. So I think they will. They will stick their hats on and they will go into gear. And I think they will beat Chesterfield with very little problems. Personally, I think it won't be as tight as we think it's all going to be. Anyway, Jamie, thanks very much for this week. No problem. See you soon. And Daz, thank you so much as well. You're welcome. And finally, thanks very much for listening. We will catch you all again next week. So come on Cymru and come on the town.